Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers at Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, it would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi, how's it going? Hello, everyone. And then secondly, of course, I've got Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Hello. So Yeah, I was boring when I said hello. I should have done something. I used to go, hello, but I don't do it hello. anymore. Hello. <laughs> It's sort of like uh, McCurley. McCurley was always Akamagosh friends. And, and I don't mention ca- I don't mention Krakens anymore. I got real boring. I used to be exciting. I got to start <laughs> mentioning sea life again or dinosaurs. I could just start randomly talking about dinosaurs. So if you're listening to this episode on Patreon, you're probably wondering, gosh, how the heck did they do an episode while everybody's at BlizzCon? The answer is we did not. We're actually recording this. Well, I guess it'd be two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. <laughs> Welcome from the land of yesterday. Basically, we're going all Bronze Dragon Flight on this podcast and recording it early so that we actually have content for you guys and we aren't skipping out on anything or messing up the schedule, which has been lovely so far. I've enjoyed it. Have you guys enjoyed it? I have. Um. Anyway, so we're going to go <laughs> ahead. And... <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. So awkward. <laughs> This is the first time also that we've ever attempted to do something like this, so I apologize for any awkwardness that ensues. Uh, we're actually, because we're going to be recording this pretty much right after the last episode, we're going to be continuing right where we left off and answering you guys' email questions. We have a lot of them. We got a lot of them, and some of the ones today are very fascinating and very dark and involve things that I've been kind of wanting to talk about for a while, and I know Rossi has probably been dying to talk about for a while. Same thing with Joe. So we're going to hop right in, but before we do, I'm going to go ahead and just take a minute and talk to you guys about Loot Crate. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Loot Crate, they offer an epic range of pop culture items for less than $20 a month. Basically, you subscribe to the service, they send you a box, and that box is chock full of goodies. Goodies that include stuff from popular movies, television, video games, and pretty much everything else under the sun that could you could consider geek culture. Last month's Loot Crate, the October Loot Crate, included a lot of stuff from horror films, including a plush leather face from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There was a neat Walking Dead shirt. There was a cool uh, Nightmare Before Elm Street set of chopsticks that looked like Freddy's glove. And there was also my favorite bit. There was a book included in here. It's called The Legion of Regrettable Supervillains, and that's by John Morris. This is the Loot Crate edition. It features 50 of the strangest supervillains in the history of comics, and it kind of goes into a little bit of history of each one from Golden Age, Silver Age, Modern Age. It's just like a really cool book. 
And we're really fond of books here on Lore Watch, so this is pretty much no exception. Anyway, as far as Loot Crate goes, if you're not so much into the whole, you know, getting the toys, collectibles, that kind of thing, if you'd rather have stuff to wear, you could also sign up for Loot Wear, that specifically for wearable items um, from various franchises. If you want to get really fancy, you can get a bigger box with bigger loot by signing up with Loot Crate DX. But if you're kind of on a search for any sort of epic gear, housewares, or collectibles, Loot Crate delivers every month, solid every month. If you'd like to sign up for Loot Crate, you could do so by going to lootcrate.com slash BW and you enter the code BW to save $3 off on any new subscription today. November's theme is magical and it includes all kinds of enchanting items from Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Big Trouble in Little China, and so much more. You never quite know what you're going to get every month. They just give you a theme and you have an idea. This month's movies, big movies, are Doctor Strange and Fantastic Beasts, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what we get from that. You've got until the 19th of November at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe for that crate. When it's over, that's it. There's no more crates. But again, if you go to lootcrate.com slash BW and enter the code BW to save $3 off on any new subscription, you could get yourself set up and start your own collection of pop culture trinkets, tidbits, and toys. Anyway, let's go ahead and get to the emails here. So our first email is actually kind of a lengthy one, and it doesn't appear to have a name attached to it. But uh, whoever it is, they said, Lore Watch question. On the last podcast, which was actually two podcasts ago, they said, your final question was, will we deal with Nizoth? This may be more of a statement than a discussion, but how do you all see it playing out? And then they went into like their whole envisioning of this. And I'm not going to read all of it because I'm sorry, folks. It, it's a short novel here. <laughs> But um, what they were wondering, though, they were wondering, what if the Tomb of Sargeras has some lower level that no one is aware of, a lower section that leads directly to Nazjatar? It seems logical that if we're going to clear uh, Azeroth and heal it, we need to go to the heart of Azeroth, which Nazjatar would be closest to, correct? So what do you guys think as far as dealing with Nazoth, how do you guys see that playing out? And do you think that there's a connection between the Tomb of Sargeras and Ashara? Uh, only in that she would have been aware of the Tomb of Sargeras since it was built before she became queen. It mm. was something that had existed for a very long time before the... Uh... There's actually a very interesting thing. One of the things we know about the Tomb of Sargeras is that during the... Uh... The War of the Ancients. One of the reasons that um, the, the, the Magistrix... I can't remember her name. She's going to be boss in the next raid, and I can't remember her name. Alessandra? Thank you, Alessandra. Uh -huh. Alessandra rebelled against Ashara. Uh, Alessandra's job... She was, a, she was a very powerful mage. She was working directly for Ashara, and her job was to collect artifacts, of which Suramar had a plentitude. They, she, they had collected a lot of them. One of them was this really powerful artifact called the Eye of Hamanthul, one of the Pillars of Eternity. And she got pillars that for of creation, Ashara. not pillars of eternity. Sorry, different yeah. game. It's okay. Yeah, right. But <laughs> she she went and got that thing for Ashara, totally like on her orders, collected it, put it in Suramar, and then she found out that Ashara was going to open another demonic portal. She'd already been having trouble with this whole demon thing. She's like, why are we why are we working with demons? She, she they... wasn't quite on board with the whole demon thing to begin with, but when Ashara was like, yeah, I'm going to open another one. Yeah, in the Tomb of Sargeras. The Tomb of Sargeras was this, originally it was the Temple of Elune. That's the original Temple of Elune. Yep, the right there. Big, yeah. If you if you read the War of the Ancients trilogies, that's the one where Tyrande would go. That's the one where they kept Brock. So kind of to punish them, they decided to open another portal there. Um, and the thing is, is that it's designed in such a way. The place is designed inside in such a way to make it very good at channeling magic because Elune is related. The, the the night elves at the time believed that Elune rose and fell. Like every day she would rise at night from the Well of Eternity. And every day she would go back into it. Because, you know, so, moon thing. Yeah, they, they thought that that's where she lived, essentially. Um, so when they, when Ashara was going to do that, uh, Elisandre was like, no. Okay, no. You've you've done too much. And she used the Eye of Amanthul to seal the place off, to prevent it from being opened. That in of itself has a lot of significance. Does it mean that, that the place goes straight to Nazjatar? I doubt it, because Nazjatar didn't exist yet. Like, why would you build the Temple of Elune to go to a place that doesn't exist? Like, you know, it would be like saying, you know, deep deep within the, the, the bowels of the White House 
is a secret portal to the Empire State Building and be like, but the Empire State Building didn't exist. And the code for the room is written on the back of the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'll admit I'll allow Nick Cage some leeway, but nevertheless. <laughs> Guys, there's a portal to Nazjatar at the bottom of the Temple of Elune. No, no, I don't. I, I don't see that. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised to find out that the old gods or their servants might be interested in the temple, you know, the Temple of Sargeras, Temple of Balloon. And they might want to like there might be a connection, but I don't think it would be a connection like they built a, temp, a, ta- a their tunnel there. It would be something more along the lines of they were invading it. Maybe. I mean, I don't think I think the thing, though, too, is like we know that the old gods don't really care about the Legion. So I don't really think that they would care necessarily about the Tomb of Sargeras to no, begin with. But, but remember, back in the War of the Ancients, they were very interested in the portal. Right. No, and I was going to. The, the Temple of Elune is seems to be built to make a portal. They like big portals. They they very much you know they like big portals. Well, we've learned. Fly. We've learned we've learned that. And good reference there. Um, the the thing that in, intrigues me though is with Queen Najara, we still don't know what she's doing. But at the end of the day, she's still no one's servant. She, at least not in anything that I've come across or read or interacted with her. So her desires may not exactly align with the old gods or the Legion or anybody but herself, which I think is more accurate. So she could be interested in it for something entirely different if she's interested in it at all. I mean, she obviously knows what it was. She knows what it is. Uh, She knows what it had inside of it all along. So if anybody would be interested in a source of insane amount of power, I think it might be her. What that per- to what purpose that is, don't know yet. But she's she's definitely playing a long game with the Pillars of Eternity. Oh yeah. She goes after one in uh Azuna. She knew about the other one. Like she the Eye of Amadula is one that was collected originally for her. She knew about it. So there's Ashara definitely knows more than we know that she knows. And the thing about Ashara, the thing about Ashara too, is that Ashara, she might say she's working with the old gods, or she might say that she's going to work with the burning Legion. She wasn't going to work with the burning Legion during the war of the ancients. She wanted to bring Sargeras to the world so that she could be his consort and rule the universe at his side. And I guarantee you, had he turned his back for a second, he would have found a knife in it, proverbially, anyway. because yeah, as, as nice as it would be to rule the universe by his side, wouldn't it be better to rule the universe by yourself? Just, just by yourself, in all of your splendor and glory, the child of the golden eyes, mystical destiny. As Shara is very much in for herself, above anything else. If it involves more power for her, if it involves more influence for her, if it involves anything that will move her forward, she will take it. And she will do anything she has to do to get along, you know, to get that. And she's not afraid to bounce checks. (laughs) She will totally make a deal with someone and then turn around and go, yeah, um, you're no longer relevant to my interests and get rid of them. I'm going to make a comparison here that, that will tell you a lot about my feelings in the subject. Ashara is more calculating, evil, and selfish than Gul'dan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Either Gul'dan. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if the two of them got together? Not No, because there's no way they could be in the same room without immediately... Like, the plans to betray each other would be forming before they even said hello. I don't even think they'd hide it either. They'd just be like, you realize that I'm going to destroy you, of course. The conversation between the two of them would probably be one of the most fascinating things I have ever read in World of Warcraft. I just, I want to see, now I kind of want to see them, like, just to have a conversation. Because there's, there would be so many layers of meaning to what they're saying. Like, you know, it's all niceties and pleasantries and everything, but underneath it is that current of, I'm going to kill you, and I know that you know that I'm going to kill you, and I know that you know that, and you're planning to kill me. Well, the thing, too, is if you look (laughs) at the two of them, basically what you have with Gul'dan versus Ashar is you have the guy who grew up despised and shunned and treated like a freak versus the woman who grew up loved and adored and adored it's like they are polar opposites in so many ways it would be so interesting because he was granted power by the legion 
Yeah. And she was granted power from somewhere. We don't know how Ashara got her power. We just know that she was powerful. Well, we know, and we there's know some every of it indication. Came from my lovely artifact. Yeah, but there's every indication. There's every indication that's, that Ashara was, like, from the moment that she was born, she was manipulating people. You know, that, you know, people like they talk about how in the War of the Ancients, people talk about how, you know, they're going to raise their hand to strike her or they're going to think something terrible about her or whatever. And she just looks at them and they're like, never mind. <laughs> you know, there's just yeah, like, like Varathen. She turned Varathen into like an absolute dog at her heel. Yeah. And, and it, she didn't. It, it was just her. She has this aura about her that does this, that commands this kind of, she's powerful. She is so powerful. And it was something that she was born with or, you know, came upon when she was very young. Um, Cause there was no question in anybody's mind when Ashara was born, this is our new, this is our new queen, you know? Um, whereas Gul'dan, obviously, you know, we saw the Gul'dan animated short. We know where he came from. He came from nothing. And the Legion offered him power and he took it because he was full of ambition. Um, selfish ambition, but he was full of ambition. And yeah, I just want to see the two of them interact. That would be so weird, wouldn't it? I definitely think it's a shame that we probably won't get to see it because, yeah, they, there's a oh yeah, there's a couple of people who just like, yeesh. So if we deal with, we're going to talk about Nizoth very briefly here because the, they said... They asked, how do we see that playing out? If we're going to deal with Nazoth, how do we see that playing out? I see that playing out as some kind of obvious underwater expansion. Something something having to do with Azeroth's depths. So we'd be like underground, underwater, under everything, down in the depths of wherever. And you know what I would like to see? I know we're not going to see it, but you know what I would love to see? I'd love to see Suramar as the hub city for that particular campaign. <laughs> Oh, it'd be amazing. Like, make we that take the, it, yeah, make that take the it. faction neutral staging ground and let everybody live there for an expansion. We would love it. <laughs> See, I would love honestly, to live in Mesoberazon. Yes. Uh, the thing about Nashtar and, and Nizoth, who doesn't live in Nashtar, by the way. He lives in, in was it, Nyalotha? Yeah, Nyalotha, yeah. Um, well, the thing about, imprisoned, probably, right? Uh, well, we he talked sleeps about this in Nyalotha. We'll, we'll, there's an email where we're going to be discussing this in detail, so... Well, then I'll save it until that email, but there's stuff to talk about there in terms of Nizoth and what we're going to be dealing with that I find really kind of interesting. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be underwater. Let me put it that way. Okay. Um, they, this person also had a second question, so we're going to go to that. Uh, the second question said, I'm not sure of the lore specifics, but how many ways do we know how to kill old gods? Is it possible at the end we meet Sargeras and show him there was always another way? How would that affect him psychologically, knowing as an all-powerful titan that that he was wrong all of these years and he killed his only friends. We could say he's too prideful in order to admit that he was wrong, but who has actually literally brought Sargeras to his knees? If we, or if Illidan does it, would this be enough to have a Sargeras midlife crisis? Well, there's one one problem with this this question inherently. We don't know that we know how to kill old gods. We have we never successfully killed one. We haven't we killed assume one we did. We assume we do. But we I know... Mean, yeah, we we know we don't because we know we don't. We we killed Cthulhu, and then the guy was giving orders like literally the next freaking day. Yep. Yeah. And then we we killed Cthulhu again, and he was still giving people orders. It's like nothing happened. We aren't killing him. We're killing like one little tentacled appendage. Like these these things or are fast. In Cthulhu's case, oh, yeah. one little eyeballed appendage. There's there's a a bit in uh when you're in Wrath of Lich King content uh there's a bit when you you go to I think it's Howling Fjord, there's a crack in the earth and there's a bunch of people who are mining there and they're all crazy. Yeah, it's Whispering and, Gorge in Howling Fjord. One of the points that's made there is that the tendrils of the of the thing below the surface go from Howling Fjord to Grizzly Hills because they're the same tendrils that reached up and corrupted the World Tree there. Um, if you look at the World Tree in Legion. The one Chaldrassil, which is corrupted by the nightmare, that's not that's a retread. That's already happened to a world tree. That happened to the one in Grizzly Hills, and it's it fell over. Voldrassil is smashed over. The that tree was died. because okay, so Voldrassil is actually pretty interesting. Um, what happened with Voldrassil? Fandral, Fandral Staghelm 
decided to take it in his head and go plant some world trees using seeds that he had. Um, he didn't have the approval of Malfurion or any of the other druids to do this. He just went and did it. And he did that with Wardrasil, only it was called, oh, I can't remember what it was called, um, Crown of the Earth or something like that. Anyway, uh, he planted it there in Grizzly Hills and it grew and it was great. And as its roots kind of went under the earth, they brushed against Yog saron and Yog saron consequently corrupted that world tree. Andrasil. That's when Andrasil, thank you. And that's when the other druids discovered that it was there. And when they saw what had happened to it, they said, we have to destroy this. The whole reason that Fandral planted the seed to begin with was because he saw the spread of Serenite and he thought that covering it with a world tree would cleanse the land somehow. And it worked. It halted the spread of Serenite. But the other thing that it did, and this was unfortunate, the other thing that it did was it allowed Yogg-Saron to creep his way into the Emerald Dream and create an opening for the other old gods to go through. Basically, Fandral is the reason that we have the Emerald Nightmare. Because of what he did in the Grizzly Hills and because of what happened at Fordrasil, the old gods got that toe in the door where they could gain access to the Emerald Dream and create the Emerald Nightmare. And now so, keep in mind, keep in mind as bad as that is too, and yeah. that's horrible. Think about this final fact. The the, the Sargonite he was trying the Saranite he was trying to cleanse. Everywhere Saranite grows is Yog Saron is beneath that. Yeah. So think about every place. The entire ever... continent yeah. of Northrend. <laughs> yeah. He's big enough to at least that big. When we go to Ulduar and we quote unquote kill Yog Saron, um the reason he's laughing hysterically at us at the end is because we have barely inconvenienced him. Like that that was like, okay, I guess I can't get out yet. Oh no, so, you've given me a splinter. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's it's really not Oh, you think you've accomplished something here today. That's good. Yeah, yeah I'll be back later. See y'all. If anything, we probably all we did really was get pointed at, you know, the Lich King, like with those visions. That's basically it. We we got some secrets and then we went off to to do what Yog Saron wanted us to do anyway. And now he's still up there somewhere. I mean, he's still trapped because they the keepers got Ulduar back online, but he's hardly he's basically discomfited at best. And that's the problem with the old gods. We we haven't successfully figured out a way. The only one that's ever been killed was 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 Yashaj, who was the biggest and most powerful of them. And even when he was dead, mm-hmm. he could still mess with us. Yeah, Yasharaj, his influence directly led to the shot. And his his death was basically what created the Well of Eternity to begin with. Cause what happened was one of the Titans reached down and tried to rip him from the, from the, from the ground. Yeah, it was Amon Thul. Yeah. And in doing so, Amon Thul just like tore a piece of Azeroth and Azeroth bled. And that was the well of eternity. It was like that wound was there and they managed to like heal it enough that it was okay. But that, that's where the well of eternity came from. Um, So yeah, how do we deal with Nizoth? Um, Nizoth is, that's an interesting theory. I don't know how we deal with him, but as far as like the secondary question, I'm sorry, I went back too far. The question we were asked on this was, is there a way, is there a way to bring Sargeras to his knees and make him see the error of his ways? Do you guys think? I don't think we can. Can you prove he's actually wrong? Do we have any proof that he's wrong? That, if, that... His, if the entire pantheon could not convince him that he was wrong, what are we going to do in that capacity? Well, plus, I mean, he had a basic, pre- he had a premise and a postulate from the beginning. The Void Lords are going to continue sending these things into our, our universe. They're going to keep corrupting worlds. The only way to stop them is for there to not be anything for them to corrupt. Can we prove he's wrong? Like, well, and, that, if and that's we the don't thing, have that any statement is right. 
Like it's yeah. it's a correct statement. It may not be the only correct statement, but it is a correct statement. I mean, the only wiggle room is on the only way to stop them. This this email postulates that if we had a way to kill the old gods, we could say, no, look, there's another way to stop them. Um, it still wouldn't make him wrong, but it would it would shift the focus. Now he could try something else. But we don't have a way to kill the old gods. The only way that's ever been shown to kill the old gods is a titan, and that titan made things worse. It Plus, doesn't make things better. It makes things worse. You might as well just kill the planet from Sargus's perspective rather than spread old god corruption everywhere on it. Um, it's, it's individual parts all seem to exist past its death. Just, just the thing's heart nearly destroyed a continent by itself. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and not only that, but I mean, the old gods too, like you look at them, they're not even the worst evil out there too. Like it's the void. It's the void. It's what's beyond there. The old gods are just a physical manifestation essentially of the void's touch. We could defeat them. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we defeat the root cause. So even if we could kill them, how do you deal with what's next after that? You still have to deal with the void. Like, how? How do you deal with that? How? Where Where do you go from there with this entity that we haven't even really interacted with that much on the grand scheme of things? I just, yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things where I don't think we're going to be able to, like, show him the error of his ways. Because he's so far gone by now. And he's so consumed with this whole burning legion and everything, all of that, that I don't I don't think that he believes that there's even an error to consider here. As far as he's concerned, he's right. And I mean, he demonstrated that back when he fought all the Titans and beat them and, you know, fine paste. It it was just I'm right. You're wrong. This is the only way to deal with this. And I don't think that we're going to be able to change his mind. I don't know. Um, so our next email is interesting. Uh, our next email involves one of the artifacts, one of the warlock artifacts. And I've been looking forward to answering this email. Uh, this one is from Zam. And Zam says, Dear Lore Watchers, I was reading all the artifact knowledge lore for each artifact because lore and came across an interesting and kind of disturbing passage for the warlock artifact to the scepter of Sargeras. And they mentioned that it's part four, but I'm going to read this passage because this passage is pretty cool. Okay. So this passage is soon after the war of the ancients, Sargeras had a vision. The well of eternity imploded once again, but this time it dragged him down to the very core of Azeroth. He was there for only an instant, but in that moment he saw Azeroth's slumbering world soul. And in that moment, the world soul opened one eye and gazed at the dark Titan. He was enraptured. Since then, the eye of Azeroth's world soul has not been far from his thoughts. He commanded the Eridar who forged the scepter to crown it with that lone wondrous orb. Next to it, the Eridar placed two Nazrathim wings, a testament to Sargeras's conception of the world soul, corrupted, demonic, and most importantly, his. Which is creepy. And then they continue. Assuming Sargeras wasn't being delusional... Does this imply that the world soul is already tainted? Also, has Sargeras's intentions towards Azeroth ever been stated? It doesn't sound like as though he wants to necessarily destroy Azeroth, but rather possess it, for lack of a better word. Just wondering on your thoughts on the subject. Sincerely, Zam. So, this is fascinating and ties it right into what we were just talking about, you guys. Um, go. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, we know that Titans are susceptible to fell energy, and when they're exposed to it, they either get weakened or or they get like Sargeras, where his his skin split open, fell volcanoes bubbled from his surface. He is effectively he is a fell Titan. That's what he is now. Um, in terms of what this means for Azeroth, I'm not really surprised that Sargeras turns out to be yet another creeper. Um, we've had quite a few of them in Warcraft history, and now we have the biggest, literally the biggest creeper of them all, um, trying to hit on a planet that doesn't even necessarily want him around. That That's kind of not surprising. It's kind of disturbing, but it's not surprising. In terms of him wanting to possess it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me because he's alone. Sargeras has no one. The yeah, Titans are all gone. He killed all of his friends. Yeah, and why wouldn't he want... like? He's told they told him this is the most powerful Titan ever. This will be the, the greatest of us. This is going to be my corrupted Titan pal. Yeah. Or 
you know, like I've said before, I honestly think Azeroth is female because we don't well, have that. She's many been referred things. to as she. Yeah, I, I, I Magni think flat out said she. We'll get to that. Um, but I, so yeah, I'm not surprised to you know, he if he wants to have what Anar and Amundul had, this is his only shot. And if she's a fell titan like him, then she'd agree with him and she'd help him burn the universe down. Which would make it a lot easier, probably, because he wouldn't have to rely on, you know, a bunch of demon idiots. He's not, he doesn't like demons. The, the reason he uses them is because they're, they're the tools tool, he had. Yeah, yeah, they're a tool of convenience. Not exactly what he was looking for, but it was what he had available at the time. But if he if he could get, like, together with, like, another even more powerful titan and they'd, you know, destroy the universe together, sure, why not? Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, if she... If Azeroth is born and doesn't have a preconceived notion of what the universe is supposed to be, never having been a part of the Pantheon, never having been part of that mindset, then it's a blank slate, so to speak. He can bring this Titan, sort of educate this Titan in the way that he sees the universe and convince what is supposed to be the most powerful Titan ever to fight alongside him, to to be part to his sort of version of cleaning the universe at that point, that's a victory. That's a huge victory, especially for him. He's not alone anymore. He now has the most powerful tool uh, imaginable to fight the void, which, you know, that's perfect. It's absolutely perfect for him. Do you think Ashara would be jealous? I'm just saying. She wanted to be Sargeras's consort, but Sargeras obviously has a much bigger, better, more tantalizing target in mind. Uh, that's interesting to consider. Um, I don't let me put this I just this literally <laughs> just happened to me like while we were talking about this, I just had this idea. What if Ashara's original role wasn't to be Ashara? The world obviously wants to have someone it talks through. Oh. What if that was her destiny? Oh no. That's why, that's why she's so perfect. And that's, that's why she's so powerful. Yeah, she was supposed to be Azeroth's She is the planet. <laughs> or she was supposed to be, but she went wrong somewhere along the way. Her, they raised her too selfish. She's too fixated on just one person, on herself, and can't be the world because that's, she's too cut off. That's such a good thought. I don't know. Quick, somebody Joe, pin Magni down. Let's go ask him. Joe, what do you think about all of this? I think that's a really interesting theory that I hadn't considered before. It would make a whole lot of sense. I don't think she would necessarily be jealous per se of like Azeroth in, in the original thinking. capacity, but like if she was originally intended to be the mouthpiece for for Azeroth, that would explain a, lot. a whole lot. Yeah. And also explain why why she was so powerful. And, and also why, why the old gods were like, Yeah, we want to do some business with you. And you were... maybe why she was so keen on the idea when they said, Hey, Sargera said he wants to remake the world into like a bright better, brighter reflection of yourself, why she was really into that idea. It would also explain why she's drawn to another Titan too, why she was drawn to Sargeras to begin with. Because if Titan It wasn't Titan, just the power, it was oh it was, yeah, like it's pre-coded in her. That... Oh my gosh, you guys. This is yeah. like big. This is big. If this is actually what's going on, poof, there goes my mind. Okay. Thanks, Zam. Our next email is also from Zam. And Zam just sent us with a whole mess of stuff to talk about, right? This stuff is the stuff that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, and Zam says, I recently went through the Emerald Nightmare Raid and became fixated on the boss Ilganoth, a gigantic pustule of old god stuff. Real gross. The boss says a bunch of prophetic sounding lines that are just so tantalizing. And I was wondering your thoughts on them. This is great because we all kind of want to talk about this, right? So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through here line by line, and we're going to talk about what they mean, okay? You guys cool with that? Sounds yep. good. Okay, so lines include, first line, to find him, drown yourself in the circle of stars. Who is I, him? What is the circle of stars? I I think since it's the it's Ilganoth who is like linked to Nazoth, that he means Nazoth. That is my assumption. Okay. But it could be wrong. I'm just saying that's the first thing that comes to mind. Circle of Stars makes me think of the original Well of Eternity. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, because the, the Calderai are the children of stars. 
Well, you know what's interesting about the Circle of Stars is the Circle of Stars, at least from my own recollection of my religious upbringing, is that it also represents the crown of immortality, too, um, in a lot of different religions. So I'm wondering if maybe there's something to do with that, like drowning yourself in the crown of immortality. What would what would be the crown of immortality in, in, in Azeroth? The Well of Eternity. Yeah, so it would fit. It would absolutely fit. Okay, next line. This one seems fairly self-explanatory. Five keys to open our way, five torches to light our path. I think we were literally just talking about this. Yep, pillars of creation, right? The pillars of creation. Now, the, the, the thing about the pillars of creation, there are six of them. Right? Don't think so. Four plus the Amaya Vamantul. We know, we know of five. There could be a six. We don't know if there is one or not yet. The, um, the ones that I know about are the Tear of Elune, the uh, Aegis of Agrimar, the Tidestone of Golgoneth, the um, Hammer of Khazgoroth, and the Eye of Amonthul. Okay, so the there's five. Okay, so there's five. Six, we know there's six plat... Like six, there's like, six pillars. Things. There's six pillars. There's only five things that we're finding right I mean, now. My theory about that is that it's going to wind up being like the ultimate sacrifice of the artifact at the end to tie all of them together, but... Yeah, know. that was... I. That's what I'm thinking it's probably going to be, too. Is it's like, oh, this is our artifact. We, it has to be the final pillar. Quick, put it on the thing. Whatever. Do the thing. Now Dude, you can't use sword. it anymore. Oh, well. I haven't got a sword all expansion. What are you doing, man? Okay. Right. So five keys to open our way, five torches to light our path. This seems to be indicating to me that by closing this portal for Sargeras, we're opening the way for the old gods to emerge. Well, it also seems fitting that we we think that there's, what, five old gods, too? Five seems to be a really reoccurring number with them. Well, there's three we know about still alive, plus Yashraj, and we don't know of a fifth that I... There's I'm four. Worried. Yeah, there's four. I don't I don't know if there is a fifth or not. Um, uh, I, have, next... I have, like, theorized that there is a fifth, but <laughs> I don't think... We, we've never had proof one way or another that there is a fifth one. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, five in general seems to be a reoccurring number in WoW. We had the five dragon flights, the five pillars of creation, you know theoretically possibly maybe five old gods i don't know it, it seems it seems coincidental that five is a repeated number okay next line the lord of ravens will turn the key uh there's easy easy response to this would be Ravencrest, but we all know who we're really thinking about cadgar or medivh. or medivh and the reason i'm saying medivh is a he was alive at the end of warcraft 3 you know, the dude was alive. Nobody he went saw to him take die. his place among, what was it? The Legends, the legends of the of Past. The past. Yeah. That's it. That's all he said. And we know there's some sort of echo of Medivh in 7.1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what's going on there. But, so but as far possibly. as turning the key goes, Cadgar seems to be turning the key to lock the portal and shut out Sargeras. So that, he is carrying Atiyash. And he does turn into a raven, and he carries... He is carrying Atiyash. Yeah, he's carrying Atiyash, which kind of makes him, like, the whole raven dude. But it could be either one. Ravencrest, I think, is too easy. I don't think it's Ravencrest. I don't the think other, it has anything other, to do with him. The, the other Lord of Ravens... Ravencrest is because of the, the... The name. No, not just the name, the two ravens that are mad at him. Right. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is, speaking of those two ravens, that could also be a reference perhaps to Odin, <gasps> who, you know, we don't know that he necessarily that. escaped unscathed from his insanity, so to speak. I mean, even look at Helia. He created Helia's current image, so to speak, and she's mostly raven tentacle thing. I mean, he, um, Odin was a master of ravens as far as the old Norse mythology went. Though That was his symbol. We are supposed to be dealing with Odin in the Trial of Valor, though, so mm -hmm. I think I'll withhold any judgment on that until I see that. And then, of course, there's also the various gods that are also referenced to ravens. Right. We have options. Someday to when we have time, I will talk all about, like, you know, the various ravens from Outland and how they connect up to the old gods. But I think <laughs> The dread ravens and all that. Yeah. For now, we can move on. Okay. Next line. The boy king serves at the master's table. Three lies will he offer you. Well, I mean, there's the easy one. And when? And then there's the one you speculated on a couple of weeks ago. Rathion. Uh, yeah. And I, I like them both, but I, I'm leaning towards Rathion. I'm only leaning towards Rathion because Rathion is 
notorious for not quite telling the truth. It's not that he lies deliberately. It's that he omits things. He only tells you as much as you need to know. Well, as much as he thinks you need to know. As he thinks you need to know. He doesn't tell you everything. It's it's interesting to me, too, because it could be a reference to both of them in the same thing. Because who is one of the most trusted, I don't want to say most trusted advisors, but who does Anduin, or has he sought confidence with before? Khadgar. He spent a, well, not only just Khadgar, but he also spent a lot of time with Rathian. He's spent an entire expansion with Rathian. Yeah, true. So, they I did mean, hang out. They are buddies. According to Rathian, he said, yeah, we're friends. And that's that's a pretty big statement. He's recently become Was that king. one of what do you think that was one of Rathian's lies? Possibly. We're friends. <laughs> but it also could be a thing where just because you're telling a lie doesn't necessarily mean that you know you're lying. You could be operating off of misinformation and making the best judgment that you can. And so you could be offering a lie that you think is truth. Right. So there's there's a couple things that could go there's here. A couple I, of know, possibilities. I'm gonna go Long- I'm going to say, I'm just going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to bank on Anduin. I'm going to bank that this has to do with Anduin. Okay. What about you, Rossi, if you had to make? Uh, the bet. reason I, I, the reason I go with, with Rathian over Anduin is that I don't see Anduin as lying very often, but if you take the idea that he could be misled, then it could be either one of them. I, I don't know. I find Anduin such a non-presence right now that him turning out to be kind of like misled and lying would work for me. It would be better. I'm going to say Rathian and then for a really long shot, like we're talking all the way across the court, probably never going to happen. Moira's son. Yeah, that's a long shot. Yeah, it is. But ties directly into the next line, which is the king of diamonds has been made a pawn. Well, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Magni. But that one goes back to like we, we were saying before, like I, I think it was like last show, we were talking about the pillars of eternity, of pillars of creation, and what they're doing and why they want them. And I said that we don't really know who Magni is working for. No, Magni thinks he's working for Azeroth, but we've known in the past that the deep whispers from the earth can corrupt you. That's what happened to Neltharion. You the know? thing is, is he's been given dominion over Ulduar. He he is the key to open the chamber, like Algalon's chamber. Like he's been given power over that place, and supposedly he speaks for the world. But does he really? Well, I mean, to, think about too. Yog, when Loken set up everything, when when Loken right. created the when Loken created the, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of that stupid thing. It's the encounter in uh, halls halls of stone. Uh. Archivon? No, not that. No, 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 no. It's the uh, something or other of the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's that whole thing where it's like you go in and he's like, hey, I'm going to hack this console. While I do that, you guys just run from everything and kill stuff. Loken created that to mislead people. Right. And then he deliberately tied himself into the system so that when he died, Algalon would show up. And he did that while he was under the influence of Yog saron If I die, I am my death is the fail safe. And if I die, then Algalon will come here and destroy the world. <laughs> Which means that Yog saron never cared if Algalon showed up. Nope. Didn't care at all if the world was reformatted. Didn't scare him. Didn't think it was an issue. Which means implies a the old gods don't think that the Titans can kill them. At least not that way. They know that the Titans can kill them with raw force because one of them did, but apparently they're not at all worried about the planet being completely reoriginated. That's not a concern for them. Um, it also means that Yogg-Saron, you know, having you know, having Algalon show up is not a problem for Yogg-Saron, which means that having Magni in charge of Ulduar might work for, perfectly for their plans, whatever they are. And we know that when we went into Ulduar, the old gods showed up. They did. They attacked us. The Naraki attacked you immediately. Now, mind you, they, they didn't attack us. <sighs> Who was with us when we went there? Cadgar and uh, Bronn. Cadgar. That's true. They, they did attack us when we were with Cadgar. Good ties into our earlier discussion. Just a wee bit. Possibly. Just a little bit. It's like, were they, were they lashing out at us? Were they trying to keep cat? Were they trying to keep Magni from showing us the pillars of creation thing, or what if the failsafes were actually working? What was going on there? 
I, that that particular sequence kind of like bothered me because I'm like, okay, the demon guy, the demon portal being there and threatening Magni. Okay, that I understand. But us just walking through the portal and then all of a sudden there's tentacles. It's like, why are they here? That's weird. I thought we got rid of Yogg-Saron. I thought that was all taken care of. So what are these guys and why are they here? And then you get a whisper too. There's like a there's like an emote or a whisper or something when you walk over the threshold and I forget what it is and I need to go back and look at it now because that's going to drive me nuts. But let's move on to the next line. Next line is fascinating. Flesh is his gift. He is your true creator. Well, Flesh is from Yogg-Saron. Right. The curse of flesh. And he put that into the uh, into the creation forge up in uh, Ulduar, the, the, the forge of wills. He put that in there so that when Loken used it, uh, it, it created like everything that came out of it had the curse of flesh on it and it was contagious. So that as they met previous creations, they were then corrupted as well. They had been also exposed to the curse of flesh. So that would make Yogg-Saron our true creator. Okay. At least everybody who is, you know created from the curse of flesh influenced by the curse of flesh yes um i know that algalon pointed out when he showed up he said what makes us unique is our free will and that we we have persevered where the titans own perfect creations have failed that implies that we are no longer the titans perfect creations we are something other and that other that we are has to do with that curse of flesh and whatever it did to us. Um, that's why I find this line kind of interesting because there's, there's a lot of implications there. Um, Joe, did you have anything to say about that one? No, that's pretty much it. Spot okay. on. All right. Uh, the third one or the next line is at the hour of her third death, she ushers in our coming. Who could that be talking about? I mean, the obvious answer is Solanas, right? Or Jaina. Well, has Jaina died three times? Metaphorically, she like you know when uh, you know when the, her entire world got destroyed and she went to Kalimdor, that could be seen as a death. I mean, she lost Arthas, she lost everything, and she went and built Theramore, and then that got destroyed, and she went into the water and came out with like the streak of I, you know white. I don't think that has to do with her. I think the next one does. Um, but I think the hour of her third death, I think it does have to do with Sylvanas because she is directly tied to the void, to the bad place as far as when she when she is, quote unquote, died before well, she's looked upon the void. If you're looking at that, I mean, she made a deal with Helia. We don't know what her side of the deal was. I don't know what any side of the deal was aside from. Oh, no, we know she, the Helia gave her that lantern that will allow sure. her to, to make more. Um, I mean, to control the Valkyr. We but don't what could know. She offer Helia to give her that. And and what's the price now that she didn't get what she wanted? Like, was she counting on being able to control the Valkyrie to get her out of something? Like, we don't know. Here's my only problem with Sylvanas as a theory for that. Sylvanas has already died three times. There was the initial point in which she died, and then Arthas brought her back as a banshee. There was the second point at the end of Wrath of the Lich King where she oh. flung herself off of off of Ice Crown Citadel. And then the third time was when she was shot at the end of the Silver Pine. Maybe, but I'm, I'm counting it from the three times that she's died since she's become the Sylvanas. Okay, but, but I'm just life. saying that this particular line says she ushers in our coming. It's not past tense. It's not she ushered in our coming. So it's not something that happened the third time she died. But she's already died three times. She I has. Think, I can't think of anybody who's died twice, but not three times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I mean... Who who would that be? I mean, I again, you could possibly say it was Ashara, but no, she only died. She's never one died. Time. She's well, not, well, again, she's never really if died. you use death metaphorically, if you you know, if you don't just assume it means literally got killed, came back. Um, in terms of got killed, came back, I really can't think of anybody else. Oh, wait a minute. What if it's a reference to Toronto? Toronto? She's like, never died. But metaphorically, how many times has her heart been ripped out? How many times has she faced down, you know, 
the complete destruction of everything she's loved and bought, brought to that brink. How many times has she been forced to to change who she is and what she does? I what mean, if it, what if it's not necessarily like what if what if what if Matt's right? What if it's not necessarily like true death? What if it's death of self? What if it's death of identity? What if it's somebody who's had to to change, to give up, to sacrifice uh, everything that she is and loves? I don't know. I do know that out of all of them, Sylvanas sounds like the most, you know, the most viable option here. The only reason that she doesn't fit in my mind is specifically because of how many times she's died already. No, that's like, that's the only reason. That's a point. Um, the only, like... There's no other real like if we go if we're going with literal actual deaths, um, yeah. There's really not that many people that can the actually only, say I've died twice. The only other close one I could think of would possibly be the dragon aspects, and it could possibly be Yasara, because she's gone from. Wait, I need to go back. I need to go back, and I need to look at Dawn of the Aspects because I can't remember if Yasara died in that and then like got mm-hmm. brought back or whatever. I'm pretty sure she did, didn't she? I can't remember. And then, and then, she's, if she did, then she has died twice. And that we just witnessed and participated in the second one. Yeah. And now we know she's technically back. And she's like a spirit. Hold on a second. And her interactions at the end of the event of the Emerald Nightmare lead us of, directly to that void blossom. That void blossom that's in there. So something's going up maybe it's her maybe and maybe that was the hour of her third death and maybe she was i don't know we we there that that's another option that is a the, to me at the least that's another option okay all right uh let's we're, we're running low on time here but let's go ahead and get through the rest of these uh next line is her heart is a crater and we have filled it i think that's jana i jana I, I think that's jana because think about it at this point she She's lost everything she's loved. She's lost everything she's built. Uh, her heart has been cold and worn and torn. And then the last the last straw, I mean, look at what happened with Dalaran and the teleportation of it and that whole, the, the whole bringing the horde back into to Dalaran. Uh, her, her new love, so to speak, voted yes. That is like the ultimate betrayal to her. He knows everything she's been through. There was an entire book that was nothing but her explaining, like, this is why things are so jacked up with me. This is what's wrong. And he knows this and still votes yes. And that's like an ultimate betrayal. And at that point, we don't know. We've talked about this earlier, too. We don't know what she's doing. We don't know where she's gone. We don't know what she's been doing. What if she started to dabble in void energies? What if she started dabbling in void magic? She knows she knows that there's a lot of power there. She knows darn well that the Legion can can be fought with that, at least in some capacity, because we as players are doing it. What if there's something there? And maybe nece- maybe she's open at this point to make a deal, just like Ajara was at her our darkest hour. Okay. Jaina, is, there a, is there another darkest hour? Okay, so Joe, you're saying Jaina. Rossi, who do you think? I don't have anybody. Like, there's no, like, other female characters that would fill this role. There really isn't anyone who's, like, in this her heart is a crater thing. And it seems like a real big reference to Theramore. Theramore crater is, like, the biggest crater I can think of. The only one that would even be close is Alexstrasza. Okay. Because she lost all her, you know, her entire flight almost. I have another option. Okay. Azeroth. Yeah, I was going to say that's the other option. I gave to that same conclusion, too. <laughs> Literally, they may have filled her heart. Like the gooey center of Azeroth, maybe just old gods now, maybe I don't know. Um, that's my only other thought on that. Uh, next line from the earth, he draws strength. Our earth, our strength. I was thrall, yeah. I was gonna say Notharian. Notharian? No, Notharian's dead. Notharian's dead. Sure. Why would they? Why would they even refer to him at this point? He's like a non entity. Thrall, he, on the other hand, Thrall maybe. even had that. Inter- Thrall even had that interaction with Notharian where Notharian said, you don't understand. Yeah. And, you know, the, the weight of it. And he, yeah, he but... started crushing him with the, 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 the force of what the Earth had in it. He was, I think it's Thrall. And I, I mean, think it could the be the explanation why the elements have abandoned him. It's a possibility. The other person um, could be Magni, quite frankly. Magni, maybe. Yeah. Especially um, going back to the, you know, the diamond guy. 
Yeah. Uh, next line is, its surface blazes light, masking shadow below. Um, my obvious like point for that is, oh, hey, uh, Light's Heart and or the Naru, because they, we know that they're light and shadow, like they've got that whole void cycle thing going on. I don't know. And, yeah, and Zera is currently just Light's Heart. So, we, I mean, if any Naru was in the middle of trying to regenerate, that would be one. Then masking shadow below well okay what's going on there that that would be my first instinct what about you joe i honestly don't know on this one like i want to say zero but it seems like too easy of an answer okay so the last line here um (laughs) here we go again (laughs) all right your coming was foretold in the rings the long circle is nearly complete Okay, well, yeah, I have to go back and I have to point out again what the Echo of Medivh said in Karazhan, where he said that's that which was foreseen has come to pass. The circle nears completion. It's almost identical to what's being said here. There's some kind of something, something kooky is going on, guys. <laughs> the interesting thing here is like one of the things I find interesting is the three of us are sitting here taking stuff that a knot of old god corruption said on face value. Sure. Which and it's probably not, but well, that's the thing. Is like, what better way to get us to do things is there to make us think things, like make us doubt Cadgar, make us doubt Anduin, make us doubt Jaina, make us doubt Magni. Do you know what I'm saying? Although like, there is a the PS here, I think leads into that as well because there's a PS on this question that I feel is very very good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the PS on this says, completely unrelated, but my Shadow Priest artifact just told me that Galakrond was totally an old god thing. A powerful dragon could be a powerful tool. Alas, gone are the days of Galakrond. Um, Now that totally makes sense because uh, if you've read Dawn of the Aspects, and if you haven't, you probably should, but if if you've read Dawn of the Aspects, Galakrond essentially became this like necrotic thing that began like, eating the other dragons and kind of like it was gross like the description of it was really gross knack did a really good job <laughs> of writing just how horrific this thing was um but i could definitely see it as like an agent of the old gods or whatever or what's um, really reference. interesting about that though, uh-huh. what the interesting thing about that is that galacron and this is only hinted it's never directly stated but it's hinted that Tyr was responsible for galacron yeah that he was he was trying to do something and it didn't work. Now, it's possible he was trying to infuse Galakron with the connection to Azeroth. And then, oops. Instead, like, you know, because Azeroth is infested with old gods, got some old god instead. You know what I mean? Because if you connect back to it, there's a part during the fight with Galakron where Tyr is wailing on Galakron with his hammer, trying to stop him. Um, and it's before he gets his hand cut off. But Galakron is changing throughout the fight he's mutating yeah and at one point it even says the form he's mutating into looks like a dragon like because caligos is watching this and he's like wait a minute now he looks like a dragon like he was trying to become a true dragon but he couldn't for whatever reasons possibly the old gods but then they went and made the aspects and the creation of the aspects sparked off a huge amount of stuff Mm -hmm. like We've we've always had that idea that the aspects were created to deal with the uh, the hour of twilight, and stop it from happening. But from the old gods' perspectives, the aspects might have existed in order to start the hour of twilight. Well, and that's the other thing too. This might also be a reference to not necessarily Galakron, which I mean, yeah, it states it, but it says gone are the days of Galakron. But there are still some really powerful dragons kicking around Azeroth right now. Like, they may not be aspects anymore, but they're still arguably the most powerful of their flights. They aren't as powerful as Galakrond, though. Galakrond was just, was bigger just than all. gigantic, sure. just bigger, enormous. He was bigger than all five aspects. And there's definitely it, hinted that there's hinted that Galakrond was what, what Naltharian kept trying to remake. Galakrond was all of them. And they keep trying to make that again. Well, Galakrond uh, was all of them because he was devouring them all. Yeah, but look at the um the thing that um not yeah it was it was Deathwing. Deathwing made that chromatic monster thing that could absorb all their flights. 
And he kept trying to mix their blood together and create the chromatic dragons. Yeah. He was obsessed with this idea of making a dragon that could be all dragons. So there's something about that that connects up to Tyr and connects up to like the whole idea of like what happened when they were trying to like create the aspects in the first place that's messed up and interesting. The rings thing, the, the last statement, the coming was foretold in the rings. What rings? Um, what is I, the circle? Well, I'm guessing rings are very disc-like in shape. And we did talk about there might be a lot of information on those discs in Oregon that we never knew. Or, wow. if we're talking about discs in Oregon, by the way, when you go into uh, Mogoshan Vault, which, remember, was the place that Raden went and hid before he got discovered by... Um, right. You know... What what are those discs above Elagon? Why are, why are there discs up there? Are they more discs of Norganon? Are they discs of Amanthul? Like what's going on? Yeah, because also... that's the engine of the makers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And we also it... know that a lot of information is stored on apparently rings and discs because of the uh, the Nathrazim as well, too. Yeah, I want to know what those rings are that are foretelling things. Okay, then. All right. I want to know what the circle... I have a feeling that if we just knew what the circle was, we'd know everything. I don't know. Uh, it's a little bizarre. All of this is kind of Lulu up in the air. And obviously, you know, we are hearing this from a pustule of old God. So whether or not it's actually telling the truth or just like spitting things at us, that's a good question. But... If you're interested in those things, you should also look at the lines from the puzzle box of Yogg-Saron because there is several things in there that are equally fascinating. And I need to go back and revisit those because I think a few of them could be cleared up at this point. Um, but that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. So, final thoughts. What do you guys think the circle is, Joe? I honestly think it is some form of recording or or lack of a better term prophecy that we don't know yet. I think that it's too convenient that all recorded history of everything in the cosmos seems to be recorded on discs and like rings. Is it like the circle of creation or the circle of life in the universe or the circle of void delight or or maybe it's the circle of the universe? Because, I mean, we talk about it in the real world, about the Big Bang and the big uh, the big crush. Maybe it's something along those lines. Okay. Rossi, what do you think? I think that it is referring not so much to the stuff you guys are talking about, although that's all very interesting, but I think it's basically the old gods have a long-term plan. They started it eons ago when they lost. Is it the old gods, really, though, that have the plan, or is it the Void Lords? I think it's the old gods because I think the old gods... I think the Void Lords transcend things like plans and reality. I think the old gods are what they send into the universe to make things happen. Okay. So I think the old gods are the ones with the plan. The plan is in the service of the Void Lords, but the Void Lords are incomprehensibly vast and terrifying. And we, you know, this is the plan that was kicked off from the moment they lost. When they, when they saw the writing on the wall, when Yashaj died, because Yashaj was the one holding them all together. Yashaj, yeah. Yeah. When that, when that war ended and he, they lost and they realized we're going to be confined, they started a plan. That plan has been kick, ticking off ever since. The Curse of Flesh is part of it. All of this stuff is part of it. The, the coming of the aspects, the creation of Galakrond, everything clicks on to this final point where they'll finally get out. And okay. we're even seeing, we're, we're hearing stuff like there's, there's a st statement going back when someone says, it, uh, what is the exact phrasing? And I can't remember it exactly. But basically, when you when you the, when the dagger is talking to you at, at the end of the uh, Emerald Nightmare raid, yes. the Shadow Breach dagger, it says the the you know, the last prison is nearly broken. And that to me says that you know every time we fought one of the old gods, we thought we killed them, but all we did was free them. The implication, the implication there with that particular thing that it was saying was that Nizoth was sleeping and that's how he got access to the Emerald Nightmare. And when we purged the Emerald Nightmare, we, we woke just woke him up. Yeah. And so 
I think that's the circle. The circle is it's effectively when someone says the long cycle, it's the same thing. You you have this vicious circle that's coming around to its final, you know, boom, we're done. Okay. So that's what I think. All right. Well, that's a lot of heebie-jeebies to leave you guys with <laughs> until the next time we record. So uh, if you have any questions for Lore Watch, please feel free to email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Be sure to put Lore Watch in the subject line of the email so that we know which podcast is intended for. Um, we did miss out on a couple more emails this time around. Maybe we'll address them next time. Maybe we'll just dive right in with whatever we've learned in 7.1. Who knows? We might even talk about any reveals that happened at BlizzCon. So uh, thanks for listening, you guys, and we will see you in two weeks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.